Toto Wolff, congratulations on finally signing a deal for Lewis Hamilton to drive for Mercedes for 2021. Thank you. This deal took a long time to sign. What were the sticking points? There were no sticking points as such. Just a few conditions that Lewis wanted in the agreement. Do you mean a driver veto, where Lewis could say no to your choice of his teammate? No, 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 not at all. Nothing like that. Lewis simply wanted us to agree to improve representation and equality in the team. In what way? Well, whoever drives a second car must represent a choice of driver who is unable to beat Lewis and is equally as average as Valtteri Bottas. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Alex. Hi. And he's Zog. Hello. How are we, fellas? Alex, you okay? I'm all right. I'm a little bit hungover for reasons I shall explain later. You're always hungover. That's how we know you. Don't say that. My mum will be disappointed in me. <laughs> More disappointed in me. <laughs> Zoggy, how are you, brother? Uh, a little bit chilly, but getting by. Yes, doing okay. It has been a little chilly recently. Chilly enough for snow, which suited me perfectly because I went out with my two radio-controlled cars and my pals and their radio-controlled cars and we had some snow-related RC car fun, which was amazing. I've got to tell you this. I've got two cars now. This Volkswagen Blitzer Beetle, which is kind of like a monster truck. It's got big tractor tyres. And I've also got this Neo Scorcher, which is four-wheel drive. I call it my Integrale. The Blitzer Beetle is just hilarious in the snow. But the Integrale, the Neo Scorcher, is fantastic. It was all sideways. It was all Walter Roll. It was all Yuhar Kankinen. It was so <laughs> deeply, deeply satisfying. If you want to realise all your fantasies about being a rally driver, get yourself an RC car. I can really recommend this. I saw your pictures. It looked a lot of fun. Yeah, fantastic. Arguably too much fun, I would say. Is there such a thing? (laughs) No. No, there is not. Let's be very clear about this. There is no such thing as too much fun. Fun is good. Completely. Especially while the world is objectively a toilet. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Take your fun when you can get it. Really important. And actually, listeners, let us know what you're doing in terms of car-related fun to get you through lockdown. If you're listening to this right now, drop us an email on speed at garethjones.tv or tweet me or go to the on speed Facebook page. Let us know what you're doing in terms of car-related stuff to get you through this third lockdown. We're almost there, guys. We're almost going to be jabbed up and out of here in some way before long. We're nearly at lockdown four, Gareth. I can't wait. (laughs) Lockdown four. They're back, and this time, more lockdown than ever. Lockdown four, the reckoning. The voyage home. He'll be fine. We'll find some whales and save the future. (laughs) <laughs> that was yes. one of the best lockdowns lockdown for, yeah. wasn't it? That's right, yeah. It was. I, I actually quite enjoyed lockdown one, the motion picture. That was very good. Yeah, uh, but the whole lengthy just having a big, long investigate of the virus, I didn't really dig that <laughs> bit. It just seemed to go on too long. But it's good that they could reuse some of the soundtrack in later lockdowns. It was a very good series of lockdowns. Mm. And it became the theme tune to the TV series Lockdown the Next Generation. Yep, soon our children and future children will be able to enjoy a shiny-headed man wearing a too-tight outfit going to the planet of, well, being a bit racist. 
<laughs> yeah. Listen, we've gone deep Star Trek now. We, we really uh, I'm have. afraid Sorry. we may have left some of our audience. I hope not. Sorry, not nerds. If you have a Netflix, try and watch the first series of Star Trek The Next Generation and you'll get to an episode that is really unsettlingly racist. I know the one you mean. It's not okay. Yeah. The rest are fine. But hey, we love Star Trek. The future was racist in the past. It was, yes. That's a whole big discussion. But having picked out that episode of Star Trek, part of the cultural story of Star Trek is very much that it's a wonderfully egalitarian and non-racist, non-sexist bit of culture, despite the short skirts and some odd blind spots (laughs) here and there. But, you know, first interracial kiss on screen, for example. Well, it didn't Um, actually happen on screen. Shatner had to turn his head so you couldn't actually see the lips meet. It technically happened, but it wasn't actually visible. One of those sort of fudges in TV. But yes, a fair point. But culturally very important. And of yeah. course, the bridge had women and people of a variety of cultures and races in senior command positions. And then to put the whole thing in perspective, they had an alien on the bridge as well to flag up the idea that we're all just one race, one human race. Anyway, shall we talk about cars rather than yeah. I'd sit here and talk about yeah, Star Trek all day? <laughs> let's go for it. But let's come into the car department via space. The link here is Elon Musk and Tesla. Elon Musk, as we know, is active, trying to get us to Mars. Well, I think we may actually talk about Starship SN9 and Starship SN10 in a minute. But let's talk about Elon Musk and something that Tesla did in the last 24 hours as we're recording this. And that is buy a wallet full of Bitcoin. Do you know the ins and outs of this story, you two? A little bit. It sounds like Billionaire wanted to disrupt some stuff. Disrupted stuff, the end. (laughs) He is a disruptor, isn't he? That's how he identifies himself, really, isn't it? That's the equivalent of telling someone you're the best at something. If he has to tell us he's a disruptor, he's just a prick. (laughs) (laughs) Another part of this story is that he's very much somebody who likes to be seen as and is embracing the future. And he likes to embrace, to promote new ways of doing things. And so to get into Bitcoin in a big way is very much fits with his way of doing things and his image. And it may also be a very smart move. Who knows? Bitcoin has been up and down. I have no idea what the future for cryptocurrencies in general are and Bitcoin in particular. But I thought it's more likely that cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin are here to stay. And so being able to buy and sell your Tesla with Bitcoin is probably a good thing for Tesla. That's my quick take on it. Is that, do you think, why he's doing it? Well, as to why he's doing it, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? And like is Alex, you know, he's rich enough, he doesn't have to explain himself to anybody. And he's also rich enough that he can afford to splurge one and a half billion dollars on a bet that doesn't pay off. If Bitcoin carries on rising in value, then potentially they make a boatload of cash on buying Bitcoin. My guess is that it's a bit more of a sort of a symbolic thing it's a bit more of a way of saying we are the future it's a massive symbol though i mean he's not messing about 1.5 billion yeah and and the aspect of being able to buy a tesla with bitcoin i mean you don't need to have 1.5 billion dollars worth of bitcoin in the bank in order to sell people 
Tesla with Bitcoin. You know, you can you can yep. acquire your Bitcoin. That's how you get the one point five billion dollars. Precisely, yes. That's that, that's how you get the one point five billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. You sell people Teslas in Bitcoin. So I don't know, but it's an interesting and in some way significant move. But I think it's one of those things that it'll make much more sense to us. It'll be much easier to understand in a few years' time. Alex, have you any experience with Bitcoin? Have you ever used it to, I don't know, purchase things in video games? That's what people use it for, isn't it? No, I'm one of those strange people that I'm terrible with money. So putting it on an imaginary ledger. A friend of mine was trying to explain how it works the other day. It makes me feel incredibly old. It's complicated. Yeah, because I just don't understand it. So you, the, the uh, 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 oh, f- it. I've no idea. <laughs> like, it just bends my brain. I've never used it. I know people who claim to have owned some. In fact, a friend of mine, he bought some when Bitcoin was a new thing, and he sold it for a small profit. Not like it. I think he put in like a couple hundred quid and sold it for a couple of grand. So not like this. Oh, a couple hundred quid, and then a hundred grand. Oh, you know. <laughs> It'd now be worth like 40 billion or some nonsense like that. But he bought some, made a tidy profit and spent it all on really hardcore drugs. He was like, yeah, <laughs> this was the mescaline that Bitcoin bought. <laughs> well, the way I see it is Bitcoin is kind of like those tokens that you get either on a cruise ship or a holiday camp that you can only spend in a holiday camp or a cruise ship. But there may be lots of cruise ships that use that token scheme. I mean, we could establish an on-speed cryptocurrency of our own. We could call it the Speedy. You could use it to, I don't know, buy future episodes of Gareth Jones on Speed, but perhaps Sniff Petrol might accept it as well to get episodes of Sniff Petrol, which aren't publicly available. It's just a way of creating your own unregulated, non-national currency and then that value will go up and down depending on the value of the items that you can buy with our own generated cryptocurrency that's how i see it so why didn't tesla just start at their own currency musk coin because part of the reason why you would use any cryptocurrency part of its utility is that it is used by and already accepted by and trusted by a decent number of people yeah the reason why you would buy and use Bitcoin rather than Dogecoin or Ethereum or a another. Uh, I'm running out of cryptocurrencies that I can think of. You've done very well. Um, but the reason why you would use Bitcoin is that you can actually use Bitcoin to buy a load of stuff. Granted, a lot of those stuffs are drugs. Um, <laughs> and now Teslas. You can buy a Teslas. Tesla full of cocaine <laughs> in, in the front and the trunk. You're making this sound quite appealing. I mean, you're not underselling Bitcoin here. I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> part of its appeal is also this transnational thing. It's not a currency that relies on any one government or any one economy's stability or support. It's a distributed thing. Now, that sort of slightly funny nature also means that is one reason why a lot of people just don't trust it at all. I get the sense that is sort of fading away and that more and more people are coming around to the idea that cryptocurrencies are here to stay and that the very complicated weird way that bitcoin works alex i suspect one of the bits that you probably had a very hard time getting your head around and i have a hard time getting my head around is the blockchain aspect of it Mm. it's this part of bitcoin that has to do with there being a distributed record of bitcoin transactions 
that enables verification of whether a Bitcoin is valid, whether a transaction is valid, so that you can't kind of double sell. You can't have some Bitcoin, which in the end are just some numbers, and you can't then you know, sort of copy those numbers and use the numbers twice over. You can't use your Bitcoin twice over, which obviously would be a massively inflationary and trust-reducing thing and make it useless. And the way this blockchain system works is that anyone who signs up and has the computing power can do some of the calculations to verify all of these transactions. And you get this distributed system of transactions being constantly verified all over the place. And in some way that I do not understand, it makes the whole thing very secure and verifiable. One of the ways you can acquire Bitcoin is to do these blockchain calculations. You know, one of the ways in which you can acquire Bitcoin is to set yourself up a big server farm and do the number crunching for the blockchain. And these calculations can be very processor intensive. If you solve a certain number of the mathematical problems that need to be solved to verify these transactions to support the blockchain, and if you do a certain amount of petaflops, you earn Bitcoin. And this is a way that some people have set up quite big server farms dedicated only to mining Bitcoin. And I don't have any numbers to hand, but I know that a remarkable amount of electricity worldwide has gone into mining Bitcoin. Yeah, someone's done some maths and discovered that Bitcoin mining and what have you is really quite bad for the environment. It generates an enormous amount of carbon dioxide, which I suppose can be offset by the lack of carbon dioxide generated by Tesla vehicles when they're moving. Uh Oh, thank you for bringing it back to cars. Tesla seem to be in reasonably good shape. I think their value is over 600 billion US dollars at the moment, which is why Tesla, it's not Elon that's bought these Bitcoin, it's Tesla. That's why they have enough spare cash to be able to do this sort of thing. It hasn't always been this case. There were periods when Tesla were in deep financial doo-doo, but they seem to be weathering that now. Despite the fact that a lot of Tesla's promises still haven't quite materialised, the second-generation Roadster hasn't appeared yet. Isn't that supposed to float or some nonsense like that? And he's taken loads of deposits on it. It's amazing how he does it. He goes on stage and goes, hey, everyone, here's... Here's this great new thing that definitely exists. Give me a thousand dollars now and you can have it in some time. Yeah, and we all buy it, don't we? Oh, people do buy it, yeah. Yeah, I shall be abstaining from buying that particular bollocks. Thanks. <laughs> but let's point out that the people that do buy Teslas are very satisfied with them. And I've driven Teslas, they are extraordinarily good. Thing is, you, you get the. Because it's a package. People who buy them, the ones we hear about are the, for once of a better phrase, like the cultists who are, oh my God, this is the best car ever. It runs on magic unicorns and my own feces and it creates nothing more than joy and happiness where it goes. And then the clap back to that is whenever someone says something that, oh, hang on, I've driven one of these and it wasn't very good or all bits fell off it. You get this kind of quite violent response from them because they feel mortally wounded that you've said something negative about either their car, which they have a financial interest in, or Elon Musk, who seems to believe has their best interests at heart, isn't just, you know, a businessman. It's same with Man United fans and Mac users, though, isn't it? It's just, you know, cultists. Oh, no, I, I, I mean, I, us Mac users, we are better than you. That's the problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> quite right. 
Tesla have delivered the Model Y now, but the Cybertruck hasn't quite yet appeared. Neither has the semi-trailer, the Tesla truck. And I'm not sure if the uh, Model S Plaid is available yet either. 1.99 seconds to 62 miles an hour, which is just stupid. Brilliant, but stupid. Yeah, maybe too quick. But you've got to hand it to them. They are one of the few electric car manufacturers who are selling large volumes of electric cars at the moment. There are others still playing catch-up. Porsche, Mercedes, Audi, Jaguar, they're all trying, but they're not in the same league. In fact, Alex, in the couple of minutes that we've got before the end of this part, you went to an Audi electric car launch virtually last night? I went to a virtual car launch. The Audi e-tron GT and e-tron GT RS are now a thing. They're real and they're shiny and it looks pretty awesome. Underneath, it's a Porsche Taycan which people seem to really like. I've not driven one yet. This time next week, I will have driven one, thanks to the magic of there's a new one out, and they said, do you want to go? Like, oh, yes, please. So, yeah, it's all-wheel drive. I'm looking at some specs now because I will freely admit that the lovely people from Audi said, come and watch the launch with us. We'll send you gin. And I drank a lot of that gin. So- I love Audi. That's a good, good way of persuading them good that their cars Audi. are good with gin. I'm all for that. They've been doing some really cool stuff with online and what have you. Anyway, I'll stop prattling on about that. Yeah, so the standard e-tron GT comes with 469 brake horsepower and 465 pound-foot, unless you use boost mode, which gives you 523 brake horsepower when using launch control, and you're not to 60, it's 4.1. The RS is a bit silly. That gets 590 brake horsepower, and torque goes up to 612 pound-foot, unless you use boost mode again which is 637 pound foot, and that'll do not to 62 in 3.3 seconds. That's not quick enough. (laughs) (laughs) They say it'll do almost 300 miles on a charge. Now, the interesting thing here is that price-wise, we don't have UK pricing, but the RS at least is going to be over 100 grand, like you just know it's going to be. It's 121, 330, if you translate it from the Europe's, which is a lot of money. And I saw some chatter online of Tesla types saying, well, why would you have the Audi when you can have the Plaid Tesla, which is much faster? It's like, well, this one's an Audi, so we know it's going to be built properly. This is being built in a proper factory by people who know how to build cars, which I know Tesla build quality can be up and down. Musk recently went on the record and he told some friends not to buy some of his cars at the end of last year because they weren't built properly. I know the last one I drove, a wing mirror housing fell off in my hand, which was not cool. The interviews that Elon Musk did with Andy Munro was very interesting on this note. Mm. Munro being an engineer with a history of involvement yeah, yeah, yeah. in... It's worth mentioning that if people want to do a bit of a deep dive on Tesla and build quality, Andy Munro, in particular, his interview with Elon Musk, are well worth checking out. Yeah, and there was video doing the rounds of a bloke who had a Model 3 and the boot was full of water because it wasn't draining properly and stuff like that. That does not happen with Audis. It just doesn't. And if it does, it's dealt with quickly and carefully by an established dealer network. So this is the thing you were saying earlier that Tesla, a lot of people are trying to catch up to Tesla. And I, I said this years ago, is that Tesla makes or made at that point the best electric car. This is pre-iPace coming out, pre-any of this. It, however, doesn't make the best car. So when the likes of Audi and Jag and Mercedes can catch up and they can start making, OK, maybe not the best EV, but they will be able to make the best car. So I have a lot of faith that this e-tron GT is going to do a thing because it's got the right badge 
and it's got the right image. It's a very much a statement car. It's a good-looking car. It's still got all the Audi hallmarks. It's very low. It's very wide. The lead designer, Mark Lister, claims, admittedly, maybe contractually, that it's the most beautiful car he thinks he's ever designed. And he did do the Mark V Golf and Golf GTI. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think Audi and Jaguar, Nissan, the others who are making electric cars at the moment, fair point that they come with a sophisticated, widespread dealer network. But the ace that Tesla comes with is a well-engineered, very high-output recharging network. They brought the infrastructure with them. And their battery technology is superb. It's great. Their drivetrain technology is superb. Yeah, And any electric car is only as good as the recharging network that supports it, which is something that we're going to discuss and a way of sidestepping that in the next part of this podcast. Matteo Bonotto, there are rumours that the Ferrari engine for the 2021 Formula One season will be some 50 brake horsepower more powerful than last year's power unit. Is that true? Well, obviously I can't deny or confirm those figures, but I can tell you that we are working on something very special. I've heard that you're working on an entirely new and somewhat innovative design. Uh, Again, I can't say very much other than to say that you are correct. This will indeed be something that has never been seen in Formula One before. Such as a completely legal Ferrari chassis and engine? There is no doubt that we're all going to shift to electric cars by 2030, if not sooner, if you're wealthy enough to be able to afford an electric car, because that's one of the things at the moment that is holding us back from moving over to electric power, is that generally electric cars are more expensive to buy than internal combustion engine cars. Much cheaper to top up, though. Much cheaper to fill your tank. Exactly. Unless... You don't top them up directly with electricity. You choose to top them up with hydrogen. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed. I've been an advocate of hydrogen as an energy storage medium for cars for a few years now. Not just because the fuel cell is a Welsh invention and that I've driven hydrogen fuel cell cars. I've set records, UK records in hydrogen fuel cell cars as a Welsh company also building an innovative, cool little electric hydrogen fuel cell car but i do believe that it may be apart from all those reasons i do genuinely believe that it may be a better solution for energy storage than the heavy and i don't mean just physically heavy but heavy on use of precious metals batteries that we are lugging around which make cars like the audi e-tron rs and gt weigh something like two and a half tons you know a big part of that is battery hydrogen fuel cell cars yes of course they have to have batteries as well but much smaller batteries and the big problem here is that hydrogen despite being the most abundant element in the universe just isn't everywhere you drive at the moment and not easy to get to there are a number of ways you probably know the physics better than me or the chemistry there are a number of ways of making hydrogen you can either do it through natural gas reforming where you take carbon monoxide and react it with water to produce hydrogen yeah there are basically two ways of making hydrogen and as you say hydrogen is a 
way of storing energy. Yep. It's not a source of energy because we can't just dig hydrogen out of the ground or stick a pipe in the ground and get it out. Yeah, you either crack natural gas or another hydrocarbon, which produces hydrogen and other stuff. I think the newer, better processes mean you can get hydrogen and mostly carbon rather than hydrogen and carbon monoxide and water, which is not so good. But yeah, you either crack a hydrocarbon or you use electrolysis. Now, I would say there are two other problems with hydrogen that you didn't get to in your intro there. The first is simply energy efficiency. Yep. That if you use electrolysis to make your hydrogen from water, by passing an electric current through water, breaks it down into hydrogen and oxygen, and you then take that hydrogen, compress it, into a liquid so that you can transport it to wherever you want to fill up the tank, your hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, drive your vehicle. By the time the energy that went in at the start of the process to the electrolysis gets to the wheels, by the time you've lost energy in the inefficiency of the electrolysis, of the compressing and decompressing the hydrogen, of the imperfect efficiency of the fuel cell, only about 20 to 25% of the energy that you've put in at the start gets to the wheels. Yeah. Whereas with a battery electric vehicle, you end up with about 75 to 80% of the energy. Yeah. There are ways of sidestepping that, however. I was reading an article today about how the 1800s was the age of town gas, where we piped gas to towns all over the UK, actually, I was reading about. Then the 1900s or the later part of the 20th century, natural gas. And the 21st century, we could be piping hydrogen to homes. There is a movement to have all the natural gas that we use for heating and cooking replaced with hydrogen at home as well, and thereby instantly creating a hydrogen distribution network whereby you would have hydrogen delivered to your home you could charge your car at home in that respect or even make your hydrogen yourself at home local hydrogen synthesis is becoming a realistic possibility too okay that addresses the problem of how you distribute hydrogen nationally let's say yep what it doesn't get around though is the energy loss in compressing and then decompressing the hydrogen of course because when you fill up your car you have to fill up your car with compressed hydrogen with, with yep. liquid hydrogen and that then gets to another slight issue which is that part of the appeal of a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle is that you can roll up to a filling station hook up to the pump and very quickly fill up your tank and go but unlike filling up with petrol with diesel you're not filling up with a liquid at room temperature and pressure you're filling up with a liquid that you have to pump into a tank at about 700 bar i believe yeah yeah 700 times atmospheric pressure yeah. now that means that first of all you need a pretty tough very very strong tank to yep. hold that and to be fair the companies that are making hydrogen fuel cell cars have done a very good job of making very safe composite tanks hold this but your connection has to be safe for 700 times atmospheric pressure and that's pretty intolerant of any damage or any problem with the connection a petrol pump a diesel pump doesn't need much 
maintenance and is fairly tolerant of being slightly damaged. Mm. Those kind of hydrogen connections, much less so. Alex, can I ask, have you driven the Toyota Mirai or any of the other hydrogen fuel cell cars? You know what? No one lets me near things with really big explosions attached to them, and I don't know why. Ah, hang on, there's no (laughs) explosion attached to a hydrogen fuel cell car. We have to stop this. We're as bad as the (laughs) anti-vaxxers. Yeah, the Hindenburg did not explode. It burnt and collapsed to the ground. That was not an explosion. No, I've not driven one, no. It's kind of been on my list because it's the kind of thing that fascinates me. What I really hope is that it's really boring. Yeah. I have the fervent hope that this thing with this amazing technology is completely normal. Yeah. It doesn't need to have a party piece. Yeah. Much like Musk and the Tesla thing of like, yeah, it'll do 0 to 60 in less than two seconds. Don't need that. I want something that I can give to my mum. Yeah. Yeah. Something ordinary, boring, just easy to live with. That's a very good point. I think we had that experience exactly, Zog, didn't we? The first hydrogen fuel cell car we drove was the Hyundai iX35 FC. A remarkably ordinary experience. Yeah. I drove that. I have driven one. They did that lap of London where they tried to drive every road. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. I did a morning in that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was normal Absolutely. and boring. That's why I forgot about it. Exactly. <laughs> incredibly normal it's not a very dramatic car it looks like a normal car it accelerates like a normal car that's a good thing if you want to sell it to people the trouble is of course the cost but the cost is essentially only down to the fact that they're not building very many hydrogen fuel cell cars at the moment if you were producing hydrogen fuel cell cars in the numbers that you produce internal combustion engine cars the cost would come down in terms of equivalence at the moment it's the cost of a Mirai about 70 grand and about the same for the Hyundai Nexo fuel cell thing. I'm not sure, but I mean, I think there may be a slight issue with the cost of the fuel cells themselves. Whilst obviously the whole economies of scale thing is a big part of the story. Yep. Fuel cells are relatively expensive. Well, they are actually produced relatively cheaply as well. River Simple, who make a little lightweight two-seater carbon fibre hydrogen fuel cell car in Wales at the moment, they're actually using a fuel cell which produces only about i think seriously something like 12 brake horsepower or is it 12 kilowatts i can't remember not very much power which is from a fork lift truck there are tens of thousands of forklift trucks working in storage facilities all over the planet right now and so there are an awful lot of these fairly standard units being built and you can couple them together in series to create more powerful vehicles in fact hyundai have just brought a fleet of hydrogen fuel cell trucks into Europe. And those trucks use two fuel cells from the uh, hydrogen fuel cell car that Hyundai use at the moment. So they're literally doing that. It's scalable technology. And for trucks, hydrogen makes lots of sense because trucks have a reasonable amount of spare space. So you can have big hydrogen tanks on board and it gives you the kind of range that you don't get from batteries for trucks batteries for trucks very bad idea hydrogen for trucks great idea i am coming around to the idea that probably the hybrid hydrogen fuel cell vehicles will be a big part of the future because i think that's a very good solution potentially for dealing with the problem of range anxiety and speed of recharging without going all in on a hydrogen fuel cell powertrain. So you can charge up overnight at home or when you've got time, you can charge up at a charging point. When you're in more of a hurry, 
you can do a quick splash and dash and top up your hydrogen tank, which will probably be more expensive than the electric fill-up. So, you know, when you can, you'll probably charge your battery. But when you need to, you'll charge your hydrogen tank. I think that's probably where things will go. Yeah, the slight downside with hydrogen at the moment is if you're making hydrogen by splitting water, you know, fresh clean water, drinkable water, is a fairly precious commodity on the planet at the moment. And if you're going to do that, you can make it from seawater, but you get corrosion of the anode or the cathode, I'm not sure which, if you use seawater. But Stanford University recently have developed a way of making hydrogen from seawater. And they've created, I can't remember if it's the anode or the cathode or maybe both, with anti-corrosion qualities, which allows you to do that. So, you know, there are still fairly simple innovations that we haven't applied yet. Well, I was going to say, I haven't read that particular story you're talking about. I don't think it's true that you have to do electrolysis on drinking water. From what I think I know about the chemistry, it would certainly make sense that if you're doing electrolysis on seawater, because there's a lot of sodium chloride in the seawater you're going to make some hydrochloric acid when you're doing the electrolysis. And so that might not be good for your electrodes. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm pretty sure you can do electrolysis on non-drinkable water. You know, there can be all kinds of other stuff in the water you're doing electrolysis on that would make it undrinkable, but isn't going to Fair point. mess with the electrolysis. You know, bugs, basically, or some other kind of chemical impurities. Those might also mess with your electrodes, I guess. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't have to be drinking water. There are other ways of making hydrogen, just looking here. High temperature water splitting. High temperatures generated by solar concentrators or nuclear reactors drive chemical reactions that split water to produce hydrogen. Photobiological water splitting. Microbes such as green algae consume water in the presence of sunlight, producing hydrogen as a byproduct. And photochemical water splitting. Photochemical systems produce hydrogen from water using special semiconductors and energy from sunlight. So there are many ways of making hydrogen. Cyborg algae, basically, is the solution. Yeah! Have we accidentally switched to homeschooling? Are we now BBC Bite Size? Because I feel like I'm we learning something. We might be. Good. Well, that makes our podcast useful then. We're hopefully telling people stuff. Hooray. Yeah, that'll be a first, wouldn't it? I'm sat here trying to think of something clever to say and all I'm thinking is, bloody hell, this is interesting. Yeah, good. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Carry on. Did you know that hydrogen is gaining ground in motorsports as well? Well, it's coming to Le Mans, we know, in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Oh, who's hydrogening at Le Mans? The ACO themselves. Oh. By 2024, they've got this project called Mission H24, where they're going to open a and hydrogen, and hydrogen, a hydrogen, and hydrogen class at Le Mans. So there'll be hypercars, LMP2, some form of GT, the LMDH, and the hydrogen class, which is essentially the LM. P2 car running on hydrogen. It was demonstrated at Le Mans this last year. Who's building the chassis for that? Remind me, we talked about this before and I can't remember. The chassis has been developed by Orica in conjunction with Red Bull Technologies. But I did read something that made me slightly nervous about this, was that, hang on, I made a note somewhere. How about this? I've actually done some homework for once. The, the hydrogen fuel cell in the Mission H24 car at Le Mans has a stack, a layered pile of 230 cells, bipolar plates. Ooh. 
Now, bipolar plates, I'm a bit worried that it's going to be a little unstable. It may be really happy some days and really unhappy some days if it's bipolar. But um, tish. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's not the only motorsport sphere where hydrogen is being considered. The Dakar have this plan by, I'm always talking about the Dakar these days, but the Dakar by 2030 are going to move their entire operation over to alternative or clean, in inverted commas, energy. And they want hydrogen cars to run at Dakar. In fact, a prototype will run at Dakar next year. And also, I think Ross Braun or Stefano Dominicali, I can't remember which one of those two, mooted recently that hydrogen may be a way forward for Formula One as well. You mean Formula One's going to join the rest of the world in actually doing something eco-styly rather than go, no, it's the old days. We must continue like the old days. Otherwise, people will be sad. Oh, I think they're trying to make the old days better, aren't they? But you're right. I think a shift in thinking is probably a good idea. Mind you, the gains in efficiency that we're learning from Formula One must be filtering down to road cars now. Surely Mercedes are doing that, but it always seems a bit anachronistic to me when Formula One historically was a pioneer in technology is now lagging behind a little bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, in a way, in carrying on with internal combustion engine-based powertrains, they're kind of at the end of a story rather than pushing a new technology. Yep. Now, I really like the sound of internal combustion engines. And as I think we were saying before, I'm kind of coming around to the view that maybe what works best for at least some motorsport may be sticking with a slightly anachronistic technology because it's entertaining. Yeah, well, that is the business of the sport, isn't it? We still race horses. That's quite popular. And the horse is not a practical form of transport. Mm. You know, maybe that's kind of the way that some motorsport is going to go. You know, that it's going to become this relic of a previous era rather than being something that is proving and testing new technology. You mean basically entirely Goodwood revival? Well, I mean, no. But we, we can all go and dress up in our old McLaren F1 gear looking like space soldiers from the future. We can watch people dressing up as Lewis Hamilton driving around in cars. It'd be great. Well, yes, I'm not mocking that. But no, you can still be developing new horses. You can still be developing new technology within that context but you're disentangling it from road car technology and maybe that's the thing that's going to happen in the future i really don't know and i'm not sure that i really come down firmly on one side or the other because i'm very clear in my mind that road car powertrain technology obviously has to be electric how you're getting the electrons to the wheels to the motors is a slightly more complicated part of the story but we're going electric A lot of motorsport is inevitably therefore going to go the same way, but maybe there is a place for the internal combustion engine to hang on to keep us all happy because we like the sound of cylinders going bang and going up and down and pushing those things around race circuits. The internal combustion engine has become the vinyl of cars, hasn't it? What vinyl is to music. (sighs) It's going that way, yeah. The internal combustion engine could theoretically become to cars and motorsports it's a pervy reason that you collect it. it's not because it's better anymore is it apart from the sound it's going to fade away and then have a kind of comeback in 20 years time you know it's uh, mm. maybe there will be those of us who doggedly stay with no look look it's got an engine it's great really yeah shut up i'm listening to mp3 it's better honestly it's better the fidelity's better oh it's so much better this way no it's not grander uh, get your ears tested mini discs will be back next Ooh, i like mini discs I've said this before on the programme, but I'm going to have to say it again. I'm struggling to find a new name for Gareth Jones on Speed. We always build it as the 
podcast for petrol heads because of the tremendous alliterative quality of those two words. But there must be another way of saying it's the podcast for performance heads. People. Oh, that might do it. The podcast for performance. I don't know. It sounds like performance a, heads. Yeah, performance heads. I mean, the performance podcast. Oh, well, that mm. could imply something else. Yeah, that um, could mean that you uh, like good management or something. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it gets a door sort of weird. Yeah. It, that smells a bit like KPIs and sadness, <laughs> existential sadness in a faceless cubicle. The podcast yeah. for yeah. perverts. No, that's not quite right. No. Though. May technically be correct, but let's let's get <laughs> something else. He says, breathing only through uh, his mouth. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. You've been listening to Alex Joy. Bye. <laughs> to Zog. Goodbye. And I was Gareth. See you in a fortnight for what will be the St. David's Day official edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!